other tone, 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 tone. This is a true story. Dreptomaniacs uses dramatizations, primary sources, and the research of black historians to depict real events and historical figures. Today's episode features Mila Machinko. The disciples of white supremacy consider freedom a finite resource. Welcome to Civil Rights, the restaurant. What can I get you? Yeah, um, let me get a, um, I'll get, no, wait. To them, black people's desire to be free is a giant inconvenience, and they treat it as such. What can I get you, ma'am? Shit, shit, shit. Y'all don't close till 10 p.m., right? That's what the signs say, don't it? Like we're pulling up to a Bojangles 30 minutes before closing time. I got it. I'd like my freedom, throw in some reparations, and um, heartfelt apology on the side. Miss, I'm sorry, but we're out of freedom. Okay, cool. Just reparations and the apology, please. Sorry, out of reparations, no liberty, no restitution, and the 40 acres and a mule shake machine is broken. Okay, then what can I order? Um, we got a 58 years of affirmative action happy meal, half a president delight, and a special celebrity activist who secretly vote Republican combo meal. We do have the heartfelt apology on the side you wanted. Wait, no, wait, sorry, sorry. We're out of the heartfelt ones. Um, is a performative one okay? Man, why are y'all always out of stuff when I come here? Miss, I don't know what to tell you. That's all we have. If you wanted freedom, you should have came earlier. A gaggle of whites was here, and they cleaned us all the way out. Technically, they stole it, but corporate says they're allowed to. Also, we just closed. Have a good night. Wait, wait, wait! Freedom is an inherent right. The pale skin may have perfected the art of stealing it, but freedom doesn't belong to any one person. I hate this place. Fuck it. Siri, where's the nearest Popeyes? I was trying to do something a little different, you know what I'm saying? I'm world champion race baiter Michael Harriet, and this is Drapetomaniacs, the unshackled history of Afini Shakur and the trial of the Panther 21, or as we like to call it, how to get away with Drapetomania. COINTELPRO was the official name of the FBI counterintelligence program designed to, quote, prevent the long-range growth of militant black organizations. While it reached its peak in the 60s, their mission began back in the 1920s with Marcus Garvey. Some of his greatest hits include, but are certainly not limited to, spying on and blackmailing Dr. Martin Luther King, setting up the assassination of Fred Hampton, and covering up Malcolm X's murder. Listen, COINTELPRO is why the film They Clone Tyrone isn't just funny ha-ha to black folk. That was a documentary, right? The federal government has targeted every black movement that has ever existed. But the group considered the biggest threat was an organization called the Black Panthers. On April 2nd, 1969, officers from the New York City Police Department's Bureau of Special Services and Investigations raided the homes of multiple Black Panthers. 19 men and two women were arrested and charged with a conspiracy to bomb the Statue of Liberty and several other targets across the city. 
you, Leroy. <clears throat> Reporting live from the steps of the New York County Criminal Court in Manhattan, a Negro News Network. I'm Trudy Black. We continue our coverage of a case that experts have determined to be the longest trial in New York's judicial history. The head of the FBI at the time, a messy bitch named J. Edgar Hoover, believed the Black Panthers to be an existential threat to the American way of life. To be clear, while this was a lazy dog whistle, he wasn't wrong. The Panther movement was an active and credible threat to white supremacy. In a bid to eradicate this threat, the government launched a campaign of terror against the Panthers. Panther leaders were neutralized either by assassination, imprisonment, public humiliation, or by being framed for crimes none of them even committed. The Panther 21 stand accused of conspiring to bomb police stations, department stores, and other public buildings. They're also charged with possessing dangerous weapons and ammunition, the attempted murder of police officers, and attempted arson. We here at NNN just think it's funny that the Panthers had time for all this terrorism. Between feeding the poor folks in black neighborhoods, educating children, facilitating cooperative economics for the By community. 1969, the FBI's goal was to, quote, prevent the rise of a black messiah. And many of the candidates on that list were Panthers. So COINTELPRO's arrest of the Panther 21 was one of its most intense operations against black liberation movements. The defendants in the case were Lumumba Shakur, Ali Bey Hassan, Sanjata Akoli, Lonnie Epps, Curtis Powell, Jamal Joseph, Abayama Katara, Baba Odinga. We have some intriguing developments. While most of the defendants are being represented by activist attorney General B. Lefkortone, one of them has decided to act as her own representative in court. Joan Byrd, Robert Collier, Michael Tabor, Daruba al-Mujahid bin Wahad, Kawazi Balagoon, Richard Harris, Lee Berry, Lee Roper, Thomas Berry, and... Afeni Shakur and the remaining Panther 21 defendants face up to 350 years in prison if found guilty. Ms. Shakur's decision to assuage proper legal counsel has baffled many. The 23-year-old expectant mother and domestic terrorist has no legal expertise and is currently losing a fight to active drug addiction. Who wrote this? Sorry, folks. Technical difficulties. The Negro News Network is brought to you by Civil Rights, the restaurant. Do you have a craving for some freedom bites or inalienable rights crispy tenders? Mm-mm. Or a pursuit of happiness milkshake? Ooh-wee, well... Well, let me tell you, you'll never get it. <laughs> Only kidding. Are you there? Come on down to Civil Rights, where we are serving up equality by the buckets small buckets but you know they still buckets right now to celebrate juneteenth civil rights has a fantastic offer buy a medium freedom of speech tackle box and get half off of your next microaggressions dip but hurry this sale ends soon corporate has partnered with the supreme court to move all our stock by the end of the month and once we run out of civil rights that's it we're filing chapter 11 bankruptcy so bring your oppressed and depressed behind the Civil Rights the Restaurant. Civil Rights, 
If you're black in America... Well, let me tell you, you'll probably never get it. Terms and conditions apply. Offer is not valid to any black activists or persons who have eyes that can clock Clarence Thomas's coonery. Freedom of speech promo codes do not apply. Right to peacefully assemble tokens and right to a fair trial coupons are not included. The fuck you thought? <laughs> Afeni was born Alice Faye Williams in Lumberton, North Carolina in 1947. Even as a child, Afeni knew who she was and what she was capable of. She was a curious, dark-skinned, strong-willed rebel who said she saw the world in terms of right and wrong, good and evil. For close to a decade, Afeni watched her grandmother care for her paralyzed grandfather and saw honor in accepting responsibility for those who needed more care and protection. She felt duty-bound to her older sister, Glogeen, and her mother, Rosabelle Williams. Her mother moved them to New York, where Afeni later dropped out of a performing arts high school. Her brilliance could not protect her from society's racism and colorism, which denied her access to the development tools she knew she deserved. All rise for the honorable judge. Mrs. Shakur, how do you plead to the charges before you? Not guilty, Your Honor. Order. Ms. Shakur, am I to understand that you have refused legal representation? Yes. Afidi walked into that courtroom prepared to face an opponent who played dirty. One who specialized in nasty tactics like perjury, witness harassment, witness intimidation, and withholding evidence. So, if the state of New York sent her to prison, which seemed likely, Afini wanted to speak for herself. She felt that Carol left court, the lawyer she'd been saddled with, was too soft-spoken. Afini needed passion and resonance, the kind that only she could deliver. Her arguments in court were not merely defense strategies. Afini would later say that she felt she was ostensibly writing her own obituary. Do you know that this is a capital murder case? It is not the place to toy with your freedom. Freedom is an abstract idea. It means different things to different people. To the hungry, it means food. To the tired, it means rest. In this case, freedom means truth. I have considered the choice I've made. I stand with it. Prosecutors, what say you? Your Honor, the prosecution's position on this matter is if she likes it, we love it. The prosecution does not object to Mrs. Shakur's constitutional right to play herself. Shakur's plan to defend herself in this trial was risky. Afini had no formal training, keyword formal. She was studied, she was quick, and she worshipped the written word. Plus, she had an ace in the hole. During her rebellious youth, Afini spent time with her aunt, celebrated civil rights lawyer Evelyn Williams. Williams had joined Afini in court, but walked out when she realized they were trying to railroad her niece and was cited for contempt. Afini was on her own. But she had the experience of the entire civil rights movement behind her and the fearlessness of the black power movement. She knew what to do with information, how to collect and frame it, how to contextualize and boil it down to simple truths. They were all so sure she would fail, but Afeni had survived a violent and erratic childhood to become a high-ranking Panther Party official. She was passionate and fearless, fueled by the arrogance of youth and the duty to her people. 
We'll continue this episode of Draptomaniacs after this break. What if millions of Black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only Black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of Black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back into this episode. The Negro News Network is brought to you by All My Life I Had to Fight. Are you fighting for black civil rights and need life insurance you can trust? Look no further than all my life I had to fight. The policy made for your kinfolk, skinfolk, and bloodline on the front line. Instead of paying a regular monthly premium on life insurance, hoping the white man will pay up, all my life I had to fight allows you to store your money in a place that's uniquely secure and safe. A little shoebox under the bed. No premiums, no minimums, or health screenings. The cost? Whatever you can afford to put in that shoebox. Easy. There's also no website or permissions from the FCC. All my life I had to fight. Your family will find it. Eventually. Welcome back to the Negro News Network. Trudy Black reporting live from the courthouse. Afeni Shakur seems to be on the cusp of a revelation as she prepares to cross-examine the prosecutor's star witness. The judge issued an oppressively large bond to keep the defendants imprisoned. They weren't even bails. They were ransoms. Evidence of the alleged conspiracy hinged on the coerced confession of Joan Byrd, the other woman indicted, and the testimony of two undercover cops who had infiltrated the group, Ralph White and Eugene Roberts. Roberts was also a former bodyguard of Malcolm X. Your Honor, I'd like Ralph White to the stand. Ralph White, step forward to be sworn in. He may also answer to Yewa Sudan or snitch-ass bitch. Your Honor, objection. Prejudicing the jury. Sustained. Mrs. Shakur will cease referring to the witness in prejudicial terms. Your Honor, the man is a whole-ass government informant. I see snitch. I call snitch. Permission to approach the bench? <sighs> Permission granted. Judge, it's clear that the defendant's lack of legal expertise has proven to be a challenge for this court. The witness she called was an undercover policeman. He was paying a service to this great nation. Officer White was working undercover to infiltrate the Black Panther movement and disseminate false information to the government about alleged ploys of violence. He is, by very definition of the term, a snitching-ass motherfucker. Your Honor. Mrs. Shakur, please refrain from referring to Ralph White as a snitch in my courtroom. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth? 
So help you God. I swear by Joseph's stepkid's real daddy that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but... Cap. Objection. Statement withdrawn. Detective White, when did you join the New York City Division of the Black Panthers? The government's been observing the threat from the beginning. I welcomed you, even though you've never been nice to me. I wonder why. Uh-uh. I'm a day one, Shakur. I remember when you joined, all bushy-eyed and bright-tailed. Afini joined the Panthers in 1968 after hearing a powerful speech from Bobby Seale. She met and married her predecessor, Lamumba Shakur, a section leader of the Harlem Panthers, that same year and adopted her name. She quickly rose in the Panther leadership ranks. She recruited and trained new members, launched wellness programs, planned food drives for school children, and helped tenants organize rent strikes against exploitative rental practices. Overseer White. Objection. Careful, Mrs. Shakur. Officer White, seeing that you've always been with the Panthers right from the start. I've been observing them. Yes. So your mission from day one had been to set the Panthers up. Mm, I never said I would set them up. I was merely there to observe. And report back to the government said observations. I was doing my job. I see. You said in this courtroom that you believe I've always hated you. You've admitted to it yourself in this court. Do you remember the day the Harlem office of the Black Panthers officially opened? Yes. Objection. Relevance. Your Honor, the witness stated earlier in his testimony that he handed me the keys to the Harlem office, all bright-eyed and whatnot. Afini pushed for women to have more rights in the party. Her section had weapons training courses, and she would lead political education classes to ensure that the women were learning the same things as the men. Lamumba and Afini had heated debates about women's value and contributions because the organization had a giant misogynoir problem. As was the case in many areas of the civil rights movement, the men of the Panther Party tended to refuse women's authority and shrug off their opinions as trivial. Professor Moya Bailey, a queer black feminist scholar, coined the term misogynoir to describe the specific convergence of anti-blackness and misogyny. It's where sexism and racism meet. The hypersexualized Jezebel, the sassy black woman, the angry one, the strong one, these reductive but popular tropes are all manifestations of misogynoir. I remember the day, vaguely. Do you remember us painting my office? Picking out the colors? I wasn't too fond of your choice. You wanted blue. I said no. So what? I helped you paint your office. Anyway, I was being nice. But I wasn't being nice to you, correct? And you don't like it when women aren't nice to you. Do you know why I said no to Blue Officer White? Because it's the color of the gang of terrorists you've been working for this entire time. Objection. Is there a question, Mr. Shakur? Mr. Ralph, could you provide the people of the court with some examples of times when I wasn't so nice to you? You call me every name there is. Coon, the Ops, Stool Pigeon, Shade Tree Nigger, Snitch. I could continue. No one's stopping you. You're getting off on this, huh? What am I getting off on? Yeah, why? Stop calling me that. It's Officer White. Officer. See? That's the problem with you. No, please. Finish your thought, Officer <laughs> White. It doesn't matter. We got you. You thought you were smarter than us. But... <laughs> it's over. Lamumba, her husband at the time, 
tried to dissuade Afeni from representing herself. They also fought about Yewa Sudan, a.k.a. Officer Ralph White. Afeni had always been able to smell the rat on him. She thought him a hothead with little honesty behind his convictions. He mocked her passion and qualifications. Again, Lumumba wouldn't listen. It was yet another example of the sexism in the Black Panther Party. But Afeni suffered no man. How did you prove smarter than us, Mr. White? Your Honor, the Panthers tried extremely hard to run internal disinformation campaigns. See, they wanted the government to expend its surveillance resources in all the wrong places. They had us chasing our tails for a while, but we got the terrorists. Is the terrorism in the room with us right now? Why are you doing this, Yewa? Objection, Your Honor. Mr. Shakur, that's enough. Officer White, you don't have to answer that question. Yes. What's that? I said yes, it is. And I'm looking at it. The Panthers throw around words like revolution and freedom. They're terrorists. We did what we had to do. I did my job. Mr. White, what's another name for a disinformation campaign? I don't know. A counterintelligence program. That's something a government operative should know, right? But I'm making assumptions here. Maybe they haven't briefed the low-ranking officials. <laughs> I know everything there is to know about Cointelpro. See, that's my program. Who do you think planned and pushed the MLK Loves Becky with the Good Hair on the weekend scandal? Me. Who do you believe bugged Dr. King's phones? Who do you think set up Malcolm X's assassination? Who do you think started the Ghetto Informant Program? <laughs> Objection! On what grounds? The witness is saying stuff he's not supposed to. Think of the messiest person you know. It's a man, isn't it? Before the trial, the Panthers spent 10 months in jail, during which time a group of women from the labor movement collected money to bail out Afeni. While she was out, she rallied the masses and raised enough to pay the bonds for the other accused. Then, in the middle of the trial, Afeni and Joan Bird, the only other woman who was indicted, learned that their other co-defendants had absconded. The men, who included her then-husband Lamumba, fled. Some made it to Algeria to seek asylum without giving the women any warning. The state revoked Afeni's bail and sent her to the crumbling New York Women's House of Detention, five months pregnant. Before we adjourned, You accuse me of political extremism. Officer White, what acts of terrorism were you referring to exactly? You said it yourself. That little counterintelligence program that you tried to run to try to keep me from doing my job. Mr. White, have you ever seen me carry a gun? What? A gun. Have you ever seen me carry one? Um, please answer the question, Mr. White. No. I've never seen you. Have you ever seen me kill anyone? Objection, Your Honor. I have been labeled an enemy of the community. I've been treated as such. They yelled fire, broke into our homes, slammed into our bedrooms, knocked our children to the side, pressed our pregnant women, women like me, to the floor, belly down, and jammed guns into our partners' faces. Do I need to read the charges? I am asking the state's star witness if he has observed me do the things I am accused of. So again, Yewa, 
Have you seen me kill anyone? Yes or no? No. No. And have you ever seen me set off any bombs? No. No. Mr. White, have you seen me organizing in the community? I don't understand. Have you seen me organizing, working in schools or hospitals? Yes or no? Yes. Ever seen me doing community work in the streets? Yes. Are these the violent actions you observed, Officer White? No. I see. No further questions, Your Honor. We'll continue after this break. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's continue. A verdict has been handed down. Not guilty. The jury deliberated for a few hours and returned with a verdict. On all counts, Afeni had won. They were acquitted. By winning this trial, Afeni Shakur proved that the Black Panthers organized no terrorism and exposed the government's role in surveilling, infiltrating, and discrediting Black activists. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know how I'm supposed to justify the charges that Mr. Phillips has brought before the court against me. None of these charges have been proven. And I'm not talking about proven beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm saying that none of the charges have been proven, period. That nothing has been proven in this courtroom that I or any of the defendants did any of these things that Mr. Phillips insists that we did do. So why are we here? Why are any of us here? I don't know. But I would appreciate it if you would end this nightmare because I'm tired of it and I can't justify it in my mind. There is no logical reason for us to have gone through the last two years as we have to be threatened with imprisonment because somebody somewhere is watching and waiting to justify being a spy. Around the same time, COINTELPRO files were released to the public when activists with the Citizens Commission to Expose the FBI broke into the Bureau's Pennsylvania office earlier this year where they retrieved and released secret documents, evidence confirming the conspiracy's validity. The program, codenamed COINTELPRO, involved the FBI planting informants within the Panther movement with the explicit intention of dismantling it. We here at Negro News Network just find it funny how news outlets oriented towards the pig mentally challenged have continued to skirt around reporting this setup. No one would publish anything about COINTELPRO. Despite repeated warnings from the Attorney General, the Washington Post eventually did a piece on the program. J. Edgar Hoover shut COINTELPRO down that same year. Afeni's win was a significant reason for that. Afeni never rejoined the Panthers. She believed they had lost their way and given in to the violence and darkness of the world they were fighting against. She has spoken openly about her struggles with addiction. She battled the disease through much of her early life, during and after 
the Panther 21 case. We now understand the toll activism takes on the mental well-being of those engaged in revolution work. The drugs were devastating, but they helped her compensate for the beating her mind and body were taking from being a Panther with unshakable conviction. But let's be clear. Afeni was not supported. Lamumba believed Afeni to be a hothead, too emotional, a critique I'm sure almost every woman has been confronted with, a myth, one that Afeni rejected. One of the tendencies of misogynoir or similar isms is to dehumanize through erasure and denialism. It's easier for most of society to ignore the harm caused to marginalized people when its impact is minimized or considered non-existent. We have normalized the act of dismissing and ignoring black women. So many people have said so many things about Afeni Shakur, and it is still impossible to distill all of her complexities into one portrait. Even those who are unaware of her resistance and her historic triumph, well, they still know her primarily as Tupac's mother, the mama in Dear Mama. Her son, of course, was a supernova whose blinding glow illuminated an entire generation. So it's impossible to not draw parallels between Afeni and Tupac's lives, particularly their relationship with the politics of black revolution and liberation. They were both fighters, both born into a world that was hostile to their very existence and placed them on a warpath with white supremacy. They were both able to weather trials and tribulations with nothing but their resolve, their defiant spirits, and their black brilliance, which is also how they inspired and influenced millions of black people around the globe. On the next episode of Triptomaniacs Unshackle History, we hear what happens when a crew of white criminals comes to rob a town filled with black cowboy Draptomaniacs. Draptomaniacs is a collaboration between Other Tone, Sony Music Entertainment, and Queer Media. This podcast is produced by Nolika Radway and Moses Shoyola, with senior producer Janicia Francis, managing producer Joanne DeLuna, production coordinator Homero Radway, and production assistant Jillian Roberts Atkinson. Executive producers for this show are Pharrell Williams and Scott Venner. Our head writer is Silas Miami. Our writing team includes Roderick Morrow, Danielle Solomon, Dallas Rico, and Randolph Terrence Sturdivant. Our sound engineer is Marcelino Van Calias. Our fact checker is LaPortia Thomas. Music supervisor is Patricia Wangeshi Kihoro. The theme song is Freedom by Pharrell Williams. Read more by Michael Harriet at thegrio.com.
freedom, breathe them.